I'd like to talk this evening about phases of faith, which play out in different ways. There are all different kinds of faith, and sometimes they all happen uh, together in such a way that you don't really you don't really see how each one plays off the other because they happen so fast sometimes. But I thought what I'd do is, is just take, take some time this evening and break each of these down because uh, they each contribute something to the whole and it's a worthwhile study to have. The first faith that you ever experienced you didn't know about, God put it in your heart when you were just little. He put it in your heart as a seed that came from him. It was a gift. And he put it in the heart of every man to believe. So even the guy deep in the jungle, even the Muslim baby that was raised has been Muslim home, has, has been given faith. No one will be able to stand before the Lord and say, I couldn't believe. He would say, I gave everyone a gift of faith, a measure of faith. What you do with that, that's a, that's a different story, but it's there. In fact, I, I don't think we ever start off as skeptics. I think we start off with faith and become skeptics. And, and it depends on the environment we're in. It depends on a lot of things. But uh, there's people who have genuine, sincere faith as children, and then it gets ruined. And Jesus warned them. He said, if you do that, it's better, and I'll say it the way I would say it, it's better, better if you took a truck tire tractor tire, run a, a, a chain through it, threw it off over the overpass, and they ruined that faith. Serious thing. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he said, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You didn't work it up. You didn't create that faith. It was a gift. In Romans chapter 12, he talks about a measure of gift that's given to every man so that no one can boast and say, I'm, I'm further ahead of, than you because of, of some, some uh, heritage or some home life or some, some uh, family that you're born in. We're all given the same gift of faith. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a gift of faith, which Paul writes, he says that there's a gift of faith. That's different. That's not talking about the same gift, the same measure of faith that we've all been given. That's a supernatural gift. In fact, I don't even know anybody who has that gift. It's rare. It's powerful. It's profound. It's supernatural grace to believe for things consistently that change circumstances. We see it in Elijah. We see him doing things that were just extraordinary. And, and he didn't do it out of uh, a working up of something. It, he just declared things. He called an axe head off the bottom of a lake and had it swim to him without even praying about it. And he did that kind of stuff consistently. There's poison food. He said, do this, and, and, and it would be healed. And, and that's, a, that's a, a working of a gift of faith that is rare, that's powerful. We see it in the life of Jesus at work. And so we have two gifts of faith. We have the one that's given to every man. Then we have a gift of faith that's given to very few people. He said, to some it is given. So they're like bookends of two gifts 
But now I'd like to talk about some of the faith in between that. And so um, there's, there's, and some of this is, is my own writing. And so uh, there's a kind of faith, we'll call it credence, credence faith. I take that from um, the Apostles' Creed that says, I, you know, it's a declaration, I believe. And it lists the things that they believe. That's a choice. That's not a gift. That's a choice. That, that's something that you can develop. You can develop it by reading the Bible. And you can decide, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. And, and we don't all believe the same thing at the same time. I, I would suspect that all of us would believe something like the Apostles' Creed. All of us would have fundamental beliefs that are the same. But not everyone's belief system here is identical. In fact, Heather's of my faith in, in terms of belief isn't always the same because it depends on experience and it depends on light that we've received. It depends on how much we expose our heart to the Word of God. That's where that credence faith comes from. That's, that's somehow, sometimes we get proud of that and we kind of separate ourselves from one another because we don't have the same kind of beliefs. And uh, that was happening at, at Corinth. We're not all on the same page about every little detail about what we believe. That there's room for growth. There's room for development. There's room for change. Someone was telling me about someone recently. They said that, well, they, you know, they believe in Jesus. They just said, they just have a hard time believing the virgin birth. Well, I think that's possible. I think it's possible to believe that Jesus is who he is and they've needed a savior, but they can't, the reason won't allow them to get their head around the virgin birth or maybe cr the creation story. But I know this, if you can believe Genesis 1-1 and really ch in a childlike way believe Genesis 1-1, you should be able to read the rest of it and believe it. If you can believe that God created everything, you should be able to believe the rest. I'm like the old-timer who said, I believe the Bible. I believe it from Genesis to maps. I believe the whole thing from Genesis to maps. That made me laugh thinking that the book of maps was part of the Bible. Not everybody believes, in terms of credence, not everybody believes that healing is for today. There are people who don't believe that. They believe that that's all ceased. Then there's a kind of faith that says, not only do I believe that healing is today, I believe that he can heal me now. That's a different kind of faith. That's, that's a different level of faith that we're going to talk about uh, next. In terms of credence, the, our belief system, our basic belief system, we need, to, we need to surround ourselves with people who have the kind of faith and kind of belief that we want and and go where they're going we look at it and we say i like where they're going i'm gonna i'm gonna come in with them because your faith can change it can grow it can go through uh lots of different changes there's things we come with we don't believe but then we have an experience we see it in the bible we hear it preached we hear it prophesied and then we believe it so that we're who you're with is really really important in terms of that kind of faith. Then there's a the kind of faith that says, not only do I have a, a seed of faith that was given to me by my father to believe that he is, 
But I've, I believe in the Bible. I believe what it says. I believe it at face value. I believe it with childlike simplicity. I have a creed. I believe, I believe that healing is for today. Then there's another kind of faith. We'll call it persistent faith. If you're an old King James fan, if you started off in the King James, it's called importunity. It's not a word that we use very often. But you can see it in Luke chapter 11 in a story, verses 5 to 13. And it's a story that Jesus told. We told about a man who knocked at his neighbor's house at his door at midnight and said, look, at some guests have come and I need three loaves of bread. And the guy hollers out and says, the door is already locked and I'm in bed, the kids are with me. I'm not going to give you what you're asked for. But the, the guy won't shut up. He keeps knocking. He keeps hollering. He won't stop. And he says, this is Jesus talking. He says, the man won't give it to him because he's his friend. But because of his importunity, because of his need and his insistence, demanding in a healthy way, the way friends can do that, he said that importunity, he's, that's the reason the guy gets out of bed finally and gives him anything he wants. Then Jesus jumped on that. He said this. He said, for anyone who asks, receives. And keep asking. Anyone who seeks, fine. Anyone who knocks, the door shall be open to him. And he's talking about that as kind of an insistent, I won't take no for an answer kind of faith. It's not credence faith. It's beyond that. It's saying, I have a need, and, and, and I'm asking. I'm asking that you meet this need. Jesus liked it. He liked it. He commended it. He said, that's the kind of faith. That kind of faith will take you places. It's built upon credence, but it's different than credence. It's a, it's a different kind of faith. Um, we see this, um, this kind of a faith importunity. We see it in children, you know, who, who just require stuff of us and we give it to them because they are they're asking and jesus even said how much more the with the father give the holy spirit to those who ask and they must ask with that kind of insistence there's a woman one time she had a demon possessed daughter in another town she made her way she is syrophoenician she's not jewish she's from the coast and she came to jesus and she said my daughter's possessed by a demon heal her and, and Jesus doesn't answer. I picture them in a room with the disciples and perhaps they're eating. Or, and Jesus doesn't look at her. And she's crying. She's upset. Her daughter's tormented by a demon. And she said, heal my daughter. And Jesus doesn't look at her. And she starts crying and pleading, heal my daughter. Deliver my daughter. The devil's holding my daughter. And Jesus just keeps right on eating her, keeps right on sitting there. Finally, the disciples, they're embarrassed, and they can't take it anymore. They can't take her insistence, her importunity. And they say, send her away. She's crying. And Jesus finally turns to her, and he said, look, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. In other words, it's for Jewish people. It's, uh, he came for the Jews. And she heard that. She gets that. She's not debating that. 
But she said, even the little puppies eat from under the, the table. They eat the crumbs. And he heard that. And his heart went off. And he said, oh, woman, great is your faith. It shall be done to you according to your faith. Your daughter will be healed. And she was healed from that moment on. She just wouldn't take no for an answer. What are you standing for? What are you believing for? What are you knocking, seeking, asking? And you won't take no for an answer. There's a level of faith that's beyond just credence, beyond just believing what the, the, that the Bible is what the Bible is. God's looking for that kind of insistence, that kind of faith. Then there's another kind of faith. It's a faith that comes. It's not something you walk around with. I wish you could. I wish I did. I've had it happen to me, but it doesn't happen very often, and I don't experience it all the time. But it's a faith that comes from hearing from Jesus. You can read this in Romans chapter 10. If you look there, Romans chapter 10, verse 16. And it says that there's a faith that comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the word, word of God there is unique. It means an express word, like where he's speaking to your heart. It's Jesus talking. And when he speaks, because his heart is full of faith, when he speaks, that faith will go in your heart, and it will take you to an other level of faith that you can't get to any other way. It comes from hearing from him. I've had it happen. I, I've experienced all these levels of faith just with this building, just with this building project alone. We need to hear from Jesus. We have to hear his voice. We have to have his perspective. He may take a Bible verse and make it come alive for, for you for in a moment, and it's for a moment. And, and it quickens you. It makes you come alive. And it makes you believe like you've never believed before. That's a kind of faith. Peter experienced this kind of faith. And, of course, you'd probably not have that rhema uh, kind of faith. You wouldn't have that faith that comes if you didn't have good credence. And if you didn't have that seed of faith, you'd have none of it. So it's important that we have it all. But it kind of converges. It kind of comes together. If you look at this, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 to 16, there's a story. And the story is where Peter got up one morning, uh, ate, his, ate his, uh, his cornflakes, did some exercises, and went off to temple. He's just going to pray. And as he's going to pray, he's not thinking of anything. He's not thinking of, of, of anything other than he's going to temple to pray. And there's a man at the gate who shakes his cup. And the man's never walked. He's in his 40s. He's never walked. I've seen people who've never walked before. Their legs, their bones, their muscles aren't developed. They, in fact, they would have looked more like fins, little flippers, underdeveloped legs. This man had been there for a long time. Probably Peter had seen him many times. Jesus had walked by that way many times. But this, there's a moment. The man shakes the cup. Peter looks at him, there's eye contact. There's something in the back of the guy says, that's the guy that's begging. He says, that's good. When you get eye contact, something's going to happen. There's going to be a jingle in my cup. 
And he looked at him, supposing that he was going to give him something. Peter felt something, a surge of faith, something that happened. Hi, Iris. Good to see you. Welcome. He felt something. And he turns to the guy and he says, silver and gold. He says, I don't have any money. Silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you. And he reached down and took the guy by his hand and pulled him to his feet and his legs grew out. Next thing you know, he's not just standing. He's running. He's jumping. He's leaping. He's ecstatic. He's never walked before. He didn't even have to learn how to walk. It's an amazing moment of uh, amazing faith, faith that comes. It come, it come in that moment. It's not muscle-bound faith that you walk around with. It's faith that comes. We know that because Peter went on to explain what happened. He said, men and brethren, don't look upon us as if it's some kind of our own holiness that has brought about this miracle that you see. It's not about us. It's not that we're so special. He said, this, what you see come from faith. He says that. Look at in, uh, in uh, verse 16. And in his name, through faith in his name, faith in his person, faith in the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, has this man been made strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that comes through him. The faith that comes. There's a faith that comes. It changes everything. We have to be open to that. It can come from his word. It can come as a surge of, of, of supernatural faith that takes you beyond what you can normally believe for. I don't think Peter was thinking, who can, I, who can I raise up today? I don't think he was thinking that. I think it happened to him. But it's not the first time it happened to Peter. There's other times, too. Do you remember the time when they're in the boat and there's a storm in the, in the sea and they're in peril and they thought they were going to die? And then they saw this man walking by and Jesus would have walked on by He's walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. They screamed their heads off. And then Jesus ministered to, to their fear. He said, fear not. It is I. Be of good cheer. He's countering their fear. Then Peter, he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. One word. One word. The word come, filled with faith, coming from the heart of Jesus, came across the, the airwaves, came across over the sea, hit him in the solar plexus, and caused the man to actually believe that he could walk on water. And he slipped his big hairy thigh over the side of that ship, slipped down on the water, the water splashing and he's doing great. He's out there walking out. He's walking on water. He's a fisherman of the water. Now he's walking on water. How did that happen? How did he get out there? Faith. Faith that comes. It comes by hearing. It comes by hearing from Jesus. You need to hear from Jesus for whatever you're going through. If you're going through a difficulty, ask him. It's not that he will just give you wisdom or give you perspective. Whatever he says will be dipped in faith that's from his heart to your heart. It'll take you beyond your circumstances. We need to hear from Jesus. We need to be a prophetic people. We need to be, a, 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 be among prophetic people. We need that in our church. We need that in our midst. We need to hear from Jesus. It changes everything. 
It's a faith that comes. There's something about any one of these faith, all of them, where God allows that faith to be tested. And it's his will. It's his desire that it be tested. He doesn't, doesn't stop it. In fact, there's very few things that you believe one minute and have it the next minute. It doesn't really happen that way very often. Usually there's a gap. You believe, and then, then you're going to have to step out. You're going to have to walk. You're going to have to do some things. And um, it's tested by time often. It's tested by circumstance that look adverse. It's tested by uh, delays and doubts. We had that with this building. There are times when it looked like it was going to stand still financially or the work or it just, there's delays that happen. That tests your faith. That tests whether you'll keep believing. That tests whether you'll just keep going or not or whether you cash in and say, well, maybe it wasn't the Lord. Maybe it wasn't as well. He wants you to persevere. He wants you to keep believing even though circumstances say just the opposite of what you're believing for. There's a testing. Pastor Nelson spoke about this last week. He was recording from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, Lacking nothing. That's where God wants to take you, to a place where you don't lack. But you have to believe. You have to, you have to believe. It's not the faith that comes at this point in time. It's you trusting him. You stay in the course, believing. Believing in him. He says, if any man lacks wisdom. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the best way that I read this verse is I need perspective. I need his view of what's going on. I need to see my circumstance through his eyes. Perspective, wisdom. If any man lacks perspective, let him ask of God, and he will give it to him generously without finding fault. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let that, not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man. I understand double-mindedness. I, I have that happen all the time where I want to believe, I, I have that, and then there's all kinds of reasons not to believe and other people's voices who don't believe. And I've got I've to say no to that. I've got to dismiss that. I've got to put that out of my mind. When it says that unless there's faith, let not that man that man will not receive anything. It's not that God doesn't want to give us what we're asking for. He wants to. It's that we can't receive it. Our receiver gets broken. Our receiver, our receiver isn't working. We can't actually receive what he wants to give us because of our double-mindedness. I see it a lot of times. Uh, people come here, and they come here from other uh, Christian backgrounds, and they've got the, all the credence that they've grown up on that says that this stuff isn't real, that the uh, speaking in tongues is of the devil, and all kinds of credence that's mixed up. 
if they stay with this long enough and they have to get the voices of, of, of their parents and their former pastor and different people, they have to get those voices out of their heads to look at what the Bible says, to believe, get their credence up. And then they'll have an experience where it allow them to believe what they would normally not ever be able to believe for. That they can say, not only do I believe it, but I believe it for me. I believe I can experience this myself. There's an enduring kind of faith. Kind of a faith that is patient, that endures. Patience, patience, the best definition of patience I've ever heard is cheerful, hopeful, endurance. It's not gritting your teeth and hanging in there. It's cheerful, hopeful, endurance. Abraham experiences. Abraham's faith was tested. We'll talk more about Abraham, but he's the daddy. He's the granddaddy of all faith. If you're going to learn faith and learn how all these phases of faith work together, Abraham's your guy. He looked no further than him. He experienced it all. We see, we see faith being tested in different ways. There's a story in Luke chapter 8. If you'd like to turn there, Luke chapter 8, verses 49 to 53. There's a ruler of a synagogue whose daughter was sick. And it probably was against his religion, probably against his upbringing, to go to Jesus. But when your daughter's sick, there's importunity. And there's a, a desperation. And he presses through the crowd and he finally gets to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my daughter is almost dying. She's almost dying. Come. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. <laughs> Can you imagine that? But the crowd is sick and they're working their way through the crowd. And there's other people who want to be healed. And this other lady who has an issue of blood, she's working her way. She's elbowing her way through the crowd. And it stops the whole process. It slows the whole thing down where Jesus ministers to her. And while he's ministering to her, someone comes and whispers in the ear of the man who is the ruler of the synagogue and says, don't bother the master. Your daughter is dead. Jesus looks at the guy and he says, don't be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. That's a rhema. That's a word from God. Only believe. Only believe. I could picture Jesus almost, almost getting a hold of the guy's shirt and, and saying, saying in a sense, don't quit on me now. Don't withdraw your faith. Don't take this, don't take this, what you've just heard. Let's not regard that. Only, only believe. In, in spite of what you just heard, in spite of the facts, in spite of circumstances, you need to believe. He can't believe for us. Jesus can't believe for us. He's expecting us to participate in the process. He needs our faith. Don't let go. Only believe. Only believe. And then this kind of faith that Jesus is living at, <laughs> it looks so strange to people. And it requires, it's, it's different than seed faith, the very original faith, and sometimes it's even different than creed and faith, although sometimes some of the things we believe look strange to other people, even to other Christians. Jesus walks in the house and he says, why are you crying? All the women, all the professional mourners are there. He's, why are you crying? She's only sleeping. 
And they laughed at him. They laughed at him. They said, she's dead. We know dead. We know what this looks like. They laughed him to scorn. He put them out, prayed for her, spoke to her, and brought her out alive. It's an amazing thing, this faith, that will take you places. We see another example of this in Mark chapter 9, if you'd like to look at there. Mark chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. There's a dad who came to Jesus again because a, a demon had gotten a hold of his son, was trying to drown him or trying to throw him in the fire, trying to destroy him at different times. And he brought the boy to the disciples, and they couldn't deal with the demons, and Jesus was coming off the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw the crowd. Jesus steps into the, into the hubbub, asks what was going on, and so this whole scenario played out where Jesus finally says to him, to the man, if you can believe, now it's not credence. Now this is different. This is, you need, this is per persistent. This is believing beyond circumstances. If you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. And the man blurted out through, with tears. He cried out with tears. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. And it helps me to see that both those things can happen at the same time. It's possible to want to trust. It's, it's possible to want to have confidence in what Jesus is saying, who he is, on one level. But it doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't doubts and misgivings. He says, I'm, I'm struggling on, on a certain level. I have faith that's happening here. I believe. On this level over here, I'm struggling. I think that can happen. I don't think that one cancels out the other. But Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. The man said, I believe. And based on that, regardless of his struggles, he got exactly what he was praying for. His son was set free and returned to him normal because he believed in Jesus, continues to believe. I think we have those honest struggles. There's, there's honest doubts that I don't think Jesus is offended at, that he understands the struggle of faith. He understands how these things work. Here's what he does have a hard time with, though. On four different occasions, Jesus spoke to the disciples or spoke to other people and said, O ye of little faith. And it's almost like he couldn't quite believe how they believed. Four different times he said, O ye of little faith. Almost like he's, he's hardly tolerating it. Now, when he says that, he's using a different word for faith than, than credence. He's not putting down their credence. He's not expecting them to, to have a muscle-bound faith that comes. He's not questioning that. There's another kind of faith that we'd call trust. And this trust comes out of relationship. This trust comes out of experience. And, and, and it's almost like they didn't trust Jesus' character. They didn't trust his nature to provide, his nature to protect. And there's times when their, their unbelief is really an indictment on, on him. It's kind of like, like if your kids woke up one morning and said, Mom and Dad, is there going to be food in the house? Are you going to provide for me? And they said, well, yeah. 
I'm going to provide for you. Well, are you sure you're going to provide for me? And there's something that indignant in the parent's heart, like saying, don't you trust me? Haven't I provided for you? Why are you questioning food? Haven't you seen me provide week by week, day by day? Don't we have that kind of relationship? I provide, you eat kind of relationship. And it's that kind of faith that Jesus has a hard time believing sometimes. Four different times. There's time for provision, Matthew chapter 6. He says, oh, you have little faith. Over here he's saying, this woman has great faith. Over here he says, you know, your confidence, your confidence, your trust in me is small. Actually, actually, uh, Peter, Peter had an experience where he heard those words. Jesus said, come, that word traveled across the wind and the waves, hit him in the heart, and allowed him to walk on water. And as Peter's walking, he looks at the waves, he sees the waves and splashing up against them, and the waves are maybe gotten bigger or something, but he, see, he notices the waves, takes his eyes off Jesus, put his eyes on his circumstance, and starts to sink. And he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down into the water and pulled him back up onto the water. And then looked him in the eyes and said, O ye of little faith. Here's what he didn't say, but I think it's implied. Don't you know I like you? Don't you know I'm not going to let you drown? Don't you know that we've got too much invested? I'm already, I like you. I'm not going to let this happen to you where you're going to drown. I didn't get you out here to kill you. It's almost like he's saying, don't you know I have a plan for you? Don't you know that we've been, I've been training you for something? And here you say that you're dying? I think that's a kind of faith that Jesus can't quite believe about us, where we just don't trust him, even though he's never given us any reason not to trust him. It's a different kind of faith. There's a kind of faith where you have to have confidence in him. You see this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He said, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have those petitions that we have asked of him. There's a confidence, there's an assurance, in other words. It says, I believe I'm prayed according to the will of God. I believe he heard me. I don't care what circumstances say. I don't care how long the wait is. I don't care, I don't care how long the test is. I'm in. I'm believing. I'm staying with this. It's a confidence that allows you to stay. Old timers used to call that praying through. They would pray about something, talking it over, pray, and they'd be navigating the whole thing, going from credence into a place where you're, you're looking to hear from the Lord, you're, you're looking for something from God to show you that it's his will. And then when they get a hold of that, they believe, and, and they say things like, 
we know that we know that we know. It doesn't matter what circumstance, we know the answer's on the way. We call it praying through. We need, to, we need to get back to that kind of praying that says, I have an assurance. I remember when that happened for this place, that we had something that what didn't make sense. It didn't come from generating the right kinds of thoughts. It's something that came where we believed. We had a, a confidence in him. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 to 39 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There's a promise. Abraham was the father of faith. If you want to see your faith grow and you want to know how to, how to live this life of faith, you have to get to know Abraham. I didn't really like Abraham. I thought he was an old sheik, an old guy in the desert. I mean, I didn't really relate to him at all. Until I got into this whole thing of pursuing faith and wanting to develop faith, and then the Lord kept bringing me back to Abraham, and I'm reading Romans, and Romans is telling me about how faith works, and Paul uses Abraham as a, an example. And I realized, this guy, this guy, he's the only person in the Bible who had his whole faith walk from promise to fulfillment actually documented, written out for us as an encouragement for us, and I had to get to know Abraham to get my faith developed to where I could really believe the promises of God. Abraham, he went through changes in his faith. He, his parents, were, they weren't believers. They were idol worshipers. He heard a word that says, leave your family, leave your friends, probably leave your business, leave your house, that nice, cute little uh, first house that you've, you've owned, say goodbye to that, and come. Come, and he doesn't know who's saying this. He doesn't know God. And God is saying, come. Come walk with me. That's seed faith. That's faith that he didn't have. We don't know why his brothers didn't have it. We don't know why the rest of his family didn't have it, but he had it. It was a gift, and it came to him somehow in his heart to walk with God. And he gets out there, and he's out there, and the Lord's saying, all this land is yours, I, I'm, and I'm going to populate it with your children. You're going to have children. It just seems so hard to believe. But there's things about God that you need to know. He loves faith. He loves faith. He is a God who lives by faith, speaks by faith. Everything he does is soaked in faith. He loves faith when he sees it. He's addicted to it. He's attracted to it. And he loved this guy walking with him even though he didn't know him. And God would say, make promises and offer promises. And the guy would say, I believe it. I believe it. This is ridiculous, but I believe it. God encouraged him. One time, Abraham's in his tent, and God came to him. I can see him shaking the tent, saying, Abraham, come out here. Come on out here. So he comes out. There's this vast plain. He says, look up. And it's just stars. As far as you could see from, from the level of the plain to affinity, it's just just like diamonds on velvet, just shiny, bright stars. And he says, count them. He says, oh, oh, I count them. One, two, I count them. He said, there's, 
the Milky Way. I mean, there's more, there's more than I could ever possibly count. And, and, and I could hear God almost with a smile on his face saying, if you could, that's how many children I'm going to give you. And that was just an encouragement to get him to believe and encourage him to believe. Putting that promise, that rhema, that word from God coming back, taking him from faith to faith, taking him to different levels of faith than he'd ever been before. And I could see, you know, God's gone and Abraham's standing out there looking at the stars and saying, wow, this is from me. There's going to be more children than the sand of the sea, more children than the stars of the sky because God promised. God said it. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Another time, God speaks to Abraham. And he says, you know, uh, I want to change your name. I've even called Abram. I'm going to call you from now on Abraham. It's a different name. And, and Abraham means father of the multitudes or father of nations. <laughs> you can imagine. He doesn't have any children. And God says, start calling yourself this. See, confession is really important to God. So can you imagine him saying, oh, man, call myself, call myself father of the nations? I mean, how, how difficult. I could picture him, you know, they're traveling, they're roaming around, they go into this little town. He goes into a barber shop, and the barber says, hey, old timer, you're new around here, or you're not from these parts. He says, no, I'm just traveling through. He says, what's your name? <laughs> There's that moment. He says, my name is... <laughs> What's your name? What's your name? My name is Father of the Nations. Father of the Multitudes. <laughs> he says, what? Where'd you name like that? Like, Father, how many children do you have? And it's that moment where he's just kicking the dirt. And he says, none. And it's hard to explain, but God told me... <laughs> that he wants me to be called this from now on. I mean, it just must have been just one of those moments. It'll happen. It, it'll happen where you, sometimes faith looks so crazy like that, this level of faith. I can see him and Sarah, they're, they're walking through the bazaar, they're going through the market before they leave town, and, and she sees a buggy, and she looks at him, she looks at the baby buggy, and he says, okay, and he gives her the money, and she buys the baggy buggy, and she starts pushing this pram, and I can see them going out of town, and on the back of their camel is one of those baby-on-board signs that's just swinging on the back of the camel. They're heading off, through, off to the sunset, believing God, believing God. He loves it when we trust him. He loves it when we believe his word at face value. He loves it when we take, he loves it when we take his promises. Can I ask you something? What promises are you standing on right now? Name one to yourself. Name one. What promises? Your circumstances look impossible. Has God spoken to you? Why not? He wants to. Faith comes. He wants to, to give you a faith that will sustain you, a faith that will take you beyond your own faith. What promises are you standing on? Abraham had promises that didn't matter what the circumstances were. And I know Christians, I know Christians that are promiseless. 
They're, they're, they're pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. They're, they're, they, they're hanging in their baby. They're gritting their teeth and just hoping that it all turns out. Well, there's another way to live. There's a level of faith that you can live where you know what God says, you know what his will is, and it doesn't matter what circumstances says, you believe him. You believe in his promises. What are you believing? What are you believing for? Can you write out promises? Or can you go to him and say, Lord, I'm promiseless. I, I want to believe. I want to sink my faith into something. Not myself, not my own wisdom, not my own reserves, not my own background, not my own wherewithal, not my own smarts. I want to believe you. I think he'd love to hear you say that. I think he'd, I think he'd send his word to take you to another level of faith. Let's close with this. Galatians. Paul's writing to the Galatians. They were people who were pagans or just Gentiles. Paul comes among them and he preaches and what he preached matched the belief of their heart that God had put there. Something connected and they said, we don't understand what you're saying, but we believe it. And they became Christians by the thousands. They became Christians. And then he started putting credence into them. He started telling them about Jesus and the Gospels and, and, and describing this whole amazing story that God created of salvation, much of what we sang tonight, which I really appreciate, by the way. <coughs> and, and something happened. Some people came to town, some Christians from far away, they heard about them becoming Christians, and they got among them, and, and uh, they're talking about beliefs, and they're talking about different creeds and different things that they believe. And these people were legalistic. And they said to them, well, yeah, you believe, but you know, you can't get to heaven unless you're circumcised. You must be circumcised to get to heaven. And they said, what? We've not, we don't believe that. And he said, well, you have to believe it. You have to believe you have to be circumcised. You can't go to heaven. And all of a sudden, they're in this crisis, and they're being seduced. They're being deceived. And something happens where they start going into legalism, and some of them, believers, are actually willing to get circumcised. They're willing to listen to what other people believe. So Paul, he can't quite believe it. So he writes them this, and, and this is in chapter 3 beginning in verse 2, down to verse 9. And he says, Now, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? These are good questions to ask ourselves. Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the Spirit and now you're made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It goes on talking about us being the sons of Abraham. Powerful section of scripture, a whole sermon in itself. 
Does God hear faith emitting from you? Does he hear you saying and playing back to him, proclaiming whatever you're going through, that you, you express your confidence in him, you express your trust in him, you're quoting scripture back to him, you're, you're playing it back to him. He responds and does miracles by hearing faith, not because you've done everything right, not because, not because you believe the law, it's a different kind of faith. And Paul was turning his back to them, saying, ah, yeah, you started, you started in faith. You have to end in faith. You have to go from faith to faith. You don't go back under that old legalism. You don't go back under, under rule keeping. Amazing conflict. But the question I wanted to ask you, is God hearing faith from you? You're sitting inside of faith. This happened by faith. This happened by, by prayer and asking God questions and God answering, God giving direction, God putting things in our hearts, God giving us faith to believe. You're sitting. We want this. We want this. We didn't want this building. We want faith to happen for you. We want this to, everything we've gone through together as a family, we want this to translate to your business. What you saw here translates to your business. This translates to your home. This translates to how you raise your kids. This translates, this has this whole message. It's a message that should translate to other parts of our life, not just the church slice of our life. It's a profound message that should preach to us. I was asking the Lord, saying, Lord, I want the walls, I want the ceiling, I want the walls to preach to us again and again and again of your faithfulness that we can trust you. If you did that, he'll do this. Yeah, yeah, that was hard, but he'll do this. We want it to, something you take home. Something you take home. When you're going through struggles at home, say, well, I know God can come through. I know, I know how to believe for things. I've seen it done. I've seen, I've seen it done where they had nothing, and they believed for something, and God gave them something. We want it to translate to your other parts of your life. Amen? Amen? Let's stand together. Do you need a miracle? God does them. Not by you doing everything right. It comes by faith. Let's pray together.